This week, we've got a lot to talk about. We had two large races. We have a really fun six degrees this week and a guest interview who is an Indianapolis 500 fan. The Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. And to start off our first segment, the first of two races at dover another doubleheader weekend we had the first one the dry dean 311 on saturday and then the dry dean 311 on sunday i guess yeah, they, they kept the same name and the same length i guess they got two for one special <laughs> when buying nascar races bogo it was a bogo special in, in terms of sponsorship so tell us about what happened in the first race on saturday so on saturday race the dry dean 311 Denny Hamlin swept all three stages, which was absolutely insane. And he got a sixth win this season, tying uh, Kevin Hartwick for the most. And he also got his 43rd Cup Series win. And this is the second time this season that he sweeps all three stages. He did the same thing at Homestead. So he's definitely having one of the top seasons of any driver in the sport. Johan. Why don't you take us through the top five for this week's race? The top five was Denny Hamlin, Mark Church Jr., Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott. And actually, I think most of us did pretty well in that first race in terms of race picks. Actually, we all, for the first time, got points. Yeah. Because of our picks. Our picks were all in the top ten. So who had our winner? Somebody picked a winner. It was me. I chose Denny Hamlin because... He's on a roll, and I expected him to do terrible. Wait, you expected him to do terrible, but you picked him? Well, he was the second um, best guy this season, and you said there's this rule where we can't choose people back-to-back weeks. So, so you were upset with the new rule, but because of that new rule, it forced you to pick the guy that won because you know you wouldn't have picked that guy. I ended up picking the guy you would have picked, who was Kevin Harvick, and he actually finished in fourth. So, Because of that rule that changed up my playoff strategy. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. So my race pick for this week was Chase Elliott, and he actually got me two points. He got fifth place, and I'm happy. I'm happy, but... It was hard for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Why? Very hard. Because of the rivalry with Joey yes, Logano. Yes, rivalry that doesn't exist. I picked Jimmy Johnson, and he got me a seventh place, so it's one point, but... At least it's points. And he did really good compared to most races this season. Yeah, I mean, I actually learned something about Jimmy Johnson in this race that I don't even think I knew, which was the fact that he has won at that track 11 times. That is crazy. The other crazy stat that they threw out was that there were only nine drivers in the race field that had won more career wins basically everywhere else they race combined than Jimmy had at that one track. 
So I picked Martin Truex Jr. and he finished second, although he wasn't happy about his second place finish because after the race, he was um, kind of complaining that he did not win the race because of Eric Amarola being in his way because Eric Amarola didn't want to be uh, lapped a second time. And so he was, you know, fighting to stay on that just one lap down. Um, however, you know, normally, however. Go ahead. I was going to say, normally I give you a hard time because of how much shade you like to throw at Martin Truex Jr. But having watched that interview, I even, even I came to you. I think I even told you. I said, yeah, uh, how sar- I was a little sarcastic with the way that he reacted. Yes, he. I think he he he's talking about overreaction. He overreacted Definitely because the did. reality is, if you watch the race, even the announcer said, and you could see it, he was he was uh, loose. He was wobbling up and down the track, and after he complained in his interview he even said i mean we didn't have the best car well if you didn't have the best car then it you're not gonna win it wasn't amarillo's fault that you didn't win and that's what the first thing out of his mouth so yeah i exactly. can totally see complete he, ironing yeah it was very ironic and i can kind of see why truex jr can get under your mom's skin from time to time so moving on to sunday's race the Dryden 311 uh, the starting lineup was, again, inverted. So, Denny Hamlin started 20th. And uh, a few of the drivers got moved back. Some of them got moved up front. And uh, by lap seven, the first incident of the race. So, this is your guy you had picked. You went against your grain. You picked Chase Elliott, who was a rival to your driver. And on the seventh lap. All he had to do was get me points. Well, at one point, he, and I would, I would be neutral with him again. Nope. His car had problems. But I, I will say it's a little ironic, though. I mean, I know you're not going to take full responsibility, but the reason he wrecked on seven was because who hit him? Um, Ricky Stenhouse Kyle Jr. Bush. in the 47. No, Kyle Bush. He hit Kyle Bush, actually. He, he hit Kyle hit Bush right Kyle in the was say, there was Why? A, there was a because Ricky Stenhouse incident. And who was the reason why they got it? Was into it? it was dirty air. It was dirty air. It was dirty air. It was not Joey Logano. It was dirty air. It was dirty air. There was only contact when Eric Jones hit Joey. Well, to be fair, we did not get very accurate camera angles. We do see that Joey is in his line and he either comes up or or um Stenhouse comes down. So we we didn't get really good evidence. Well, to that, say that there was evidence that, that there was contact. I think Dale called it. He said there was damage on the twenty two because I was with you there. I saw the replay and I'm like, wait, it could have been air. And they had talked about that because this is a low downforce track. Like the spoiler on the on the back of these cars is low, so there's a lot. There's not as much downforce on the rear part of the car, which means the cars are going to move all over the place and they they slip and slide. Well, because of that, if you get under a car or get behind a car, you take out what little air they have and that car will just go flying sideways. So I thought that was the case. But what's the damage but in there the was right damage front on the because front? Because I didn't of that see car. any damage. The damage on the right front was because Ricky was already going sideways and by the by the time he's already sideways, Joey bumps him and that's what fully turns him. Well, either way, Joey was involved. It was air. Whether it was, it was air. dirty air or not. It was air. And because of that, Kyle Busch checked up and Chase didn't check up quick enough because it just happened so quickly. And it ended up ending his day. Well, maybe Ricky should get in his, in his own line in the back. 
<laughs> Poor Ricky. He gets abused by all these fans. That's not abusive. All man. right. So why don't you take us through the rest of the race? Basically, what happened? Who was the dominant driver of this race? Denny Hamlin on Saturday swept all three stages and Kevin Harvick went on to do the same thing and sweep all three stages on Sunday. So Kevin Harvick won and swept all three stages. And you know, got four their 700th win. And you know what was also really impressive about that? Where did Kevin Harvick start in this race? 17th because of the lineup version. But Danny Hamlin was on the outside pole in the last race. So Kevin Harvick dominated. I mean, he, he dominated so much. He led six times for 223 laps. Yohan, how many well laps are in this race? I think, oh, 311. And so he led 223 out of the 311. That is a well over half the race. That Yes, that is a dominant run. Did you know that by winning this race, Kevin Harvick is now tied with Kyle Busch with 56 wins, which is ninth of all time wins. Really? In the Cup Series. Wow. I mean, I, again, Kyle Busch hasn't been driving for as long, so it's actually more impressive for Kyle Busch that he has gotten as many wins as he has. I don't know what the number of starts are. But I know it's a few years that Kevin Harvick had been driving because uh, he started his rookie year was 2001. When was Kyle Busch's rookie year? Do you remember? It was 2005. Five. So four years. So it's pretty, again, why Kyle Busch is one of the best drivers in all NASCAR. But still, that is an accomplishment for Kevin Harvick. An interesting thing that happened during this race was that there was a red flag on like lap 71 because of track damage. Yeah, what was the deal with that? There was like a hole in the track and they had to go and fill it up. So they spent about like 25 to 30 minutes filling in the track with something because the drivers were going to get like caught in it and they would start wrecking. Because it is the Monster Mouth's concrete. This is the second time that I've seen this happen. And I don't know if it's this season or I mean, time goes by so quickly that I don't know if it was last season but they did the same thing at another track they had to take out the little circular saw and cut away at the concrete because of something with water or well, that, what yeah that was different because water was seeping through they call them like weepers yes the water was seeping through but this one is just because this track is it's of, of the track surfaces in the NASCAR circuit it is actually one of the oldest they were saying yeah but I haven't seen in my years of watching NASCAR I haven't seen the race being stopped to pull out a circular saw and start chipping away at concrete. But then they had they chipped it away, but then they put some and then kind they of filled a, it. A yeah. filling to, to... Exactly, like a dry, quick fill. Well, the other track that had the whole problem in the track was Pocono Doubleheader. Oh, another doubleheader. Also, back in 2010, the Daytona 500 had to stop multiple times in order to fix holes in the track. Yeah. It was a dominant race for Kevin Harvick. So I want to talk about a funny moment. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it's it was somewhere in the middle of the race. And we have they had the camera on the in-car camera on Jimmy Johnson. And you see him whip by, almost hit this white. It just looked like a white blob that he was going to run into. And then, you know, you see him pass it. And then you hear him over the radio saying, oh, my goodness, what, you know, Explicit was that. <laughs> yeah, he, I was going to say it was some colorful language there. <laughs> and uh, and his crew chief says, uh, I don't know. And the announcers were like, well, he knows, but he's just not going to tell him. 
yeah, the yeah, the crew chief didn't want to tell Jimmy Johnson because exactly. they didn't want Jimmy Johnson to retaliate during exactly. the race. I was like, no, I want him to know. I want to go after that guy. But yeah, it's like the guy. It, it, it's like we we make fun of people that don't know where they're going when they're driving around town, and they're like literally on the far right lane, and they said, oh, I'm gonna go over here, and then like cut across three lanes of traffic. That's essentially what this driver was doing to get into pit road in the middle of the track where Jimmy is going over 150 miles an hour. It was, I can't yeah, believe it was he crazy because like I saw the video, the NASCAR replayed, replayed the video of just that clip and he was driving so much faster than that car that that car is literally a white blip as he's yeah. driving by. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, this was a race we were at. I think we had talked about it last week. We were hoping to actually go up for the Dover double, another one of those double races. Uh, plus it's Dover. And unfortunately, they didn't have any fans, so we didn't have an opportunity to do that. But it was a fun race. And, uh, you know, you can argue whether or not I think we talked about this, too, last week, whether or not this is considered a short track or not. My thought was that it was a short track, but a short track with high banking, which makes it a fast racetrack. So it was a lot of fun. Where did we end up with our top five, Johan? The top five was Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., should have been Jimmy Johnson for the win, William Byron, and Alex Bowman. We were all pulling for Jimmy, just for the record. Even your brother, Giovanni, was pulling for him. Yeah, we were really wanting, hoping that he would win this race, that he can be locked into the chase. But overall, I mean, I think Jimmy Johnson did a really good job this weekend. He finished seventh in the first race and finished third in the second race. So hopefully, I mean, I mean, this is a good track for him, too. So he's good at this track. But hopefully also, you know, maybe he's getting he's revving up his engine to for one of these last races, the last two races to uh, or to get a win. There's only one more race, which Sebastian's going to tell us about in a second. Oh, that's, it's only one. There's only I have one to more stress. before there was the chase. Two. Oh, this, no, there was two. It so was Darlington Sunday. is the beginning of yes, the chase. Yeah. But we're I getting have to stress. Oh, goodness. OK, so race picks. How did we all do in race picks this week? I'll go first because I won because Kevin Harvick won. That was my pick. And he actually got me uh, my three points. But mom also had a nice weekend. Yes, I got points again. Uh, Martin Truex once again came in second place. And I will say he once again was complaining during the race that um, other drivers were taking his line. But his car was loose again. And even the announcer said, not quite sure why he's complaining there because his car is all over the place. Yeah, it's and it's not it's not crazy to see Martin Drake's Jr. complaining. What what is crazy about him complaining is the fact that he is on a really strong. I mean, outside of Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin right now, I don't think there's a hotter driver in the sport because you think about it coming into this Dover double weekend. I think they had said he had won like or he had placed in third for like three straight races. And in both of these races this weekend. He came in second. So he's running top three, literally five consecutive races, which is crazy. Yet he's finding ways to throw other drivers under the bus whenever he has the chance. My pick, Jimmy Johnson, got a third place, and I'm happy with that. I got some points. Yeah, we were, again, we were all rooting for Jimmy to pull it out so that he could uh, make the chase. But you know what? It was a very strong run. And like mom said, a top 10 and a top five, that's nothing to uh, sneeze at. Yeah, I got no points because Chase Elliott can't drive. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> he got you a top five last race. What happened? Oh, that's right. There was an incident that involved Joey Logano that somehow took out Chase. So 
you got problems with uh, Chase finishing. You might have to take you know, it up with Joey. There's a thing called left turn. All I had to do was turn left, and he could have gotten me points. Well, you try that when the car right in front of you had to slam on its brakes because... You hard turn left, dang it. My pick, Denny Hamlin, finished 19th because he went in pits. I don't know why, but I think he went in early, but he went in pits. He fell back two laps down and then came back and finished 19th. Didn't get any points. Come on, Hamlin. You gave me a win last one, but you can't give me a win this one. Come on, Hamlin. Well, I mean, look at it this way. He uh he 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 get, he got you a win. So you 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 had a decent weekend. You got 3 points. That's not bad. So, all right. Well, let's talk about next week, Sebastian. All right. Next week we are going back to Daytona International Speedway for the Coke Zero Sugar 400, Saturday, August 29th. This is going to be the last regular season race. And for drivers, the last chance to make the chase for the cup. I got to stretch a lot. Yeah, it is going to be very stressful. And one other thing that came out of this Dover race, one of the uh, like news uh, reports that I saw or or notes uh, about this season is the fact that this Dover double basically got the NASCAR season back on track. So from this point forward through the rest of the season, this is how the NASCAR Cup Series was scheduled. So they're actually going to follow through. So it's actually quite amazing to think about the sport lost. What was it? Two months, three months because of the coronavirus and shutdown. And for them to get the sport back on track. And now for the rest of the season, we are on schedule. So this one was scheduled to be the end of the regular season. And I can't think of a more exciting Saturday night to watch the uh, Daytona International Speedway because it will be a great race. You know, restrictor plate type racing, these drive, anybody can really win. If you get in the right line, you have the cars are so even the pack driving. If you just need to know your way around and how to draft. And so it'll be pretty exciting. So, you know, I told you, Johan, I know you're nervous, you're stressed. But Jimmy Johnson's proven he knows how to win at restrictor plate races, so uh, tracks. So I think he could do well at the Super Speedway here in Daytona. So let's talk about race picks for this week. But before we actually make our picks, what are the standings? Pretty much everyone is tied up. Johan and Dad are both tied for first place with 20 points. While me and Mom are tied with 14 points. Gio is in last with 12 points, but he could still move up. He's close behind. I'm just going to say something. We need to enforce more rules. People, email us. We need more rules to stop Johan and Dad. They're getting too many points. All right. So the one rule that you're kind of referencing was something that a friend of the show told us, which was we should probably institute that the you cannot pick the same driver two weeks in a row. Wait, but that rule actually worked because had, had we not instituted that rule... Johan would have picked Kevin Harvick, and Kevin Harvick actually got points both races, yeah, which he means did. he would have been ahead of He that. would have been even more ahead of all of Still us. We need so, more rules. all right. One of the things that we do is we're going to let the winner or the leader make the picks. So, Johan, because you're so cute, you get to pick first, even though you and I are tied for first place. Who are you picking to win? the season finale, regular season finale 
at Daytona this weekend. I gotta say, I gotta do an intro. He's a good plate racer. He's won two times at Daytona 500. In 2013, he won the Coke 0400, and he's a seven-time champ, Jimmy Johnson. That's an awesome pick, wow. my friend. All right, I'll put you down for Jimmy Johnson. I am not going to lie. You stole my pick because I didn't think you were going to do it. So that was pretty impressive. So, all right, well, I can't pick Jimmy Johnson. I can't pick Kevin, Kevin Harvick. Harvick. Who am I going to pick to win? So, again, knowing that at this type of track, anybody can win. You really need a strong program. You need strong engine, strong power. And you need to be able to draft. And I'm going to pick the guy that I think should have won the Daytona 500 a few years ago. But he was taken out by one Austin Dillon. My pick for this weekend to win the Coke Zero Sugar 400 is is Eric Eric Amarola. Amarola, yes. Speaking of that Daytona 500, the driver who finished in second is my pick. The 43 Bubba Wallace Jr. Wow. That would be a huge win. And you think I mean, he's going to get his happen. first career win? It, for his cur- first career win to be in Daytona, that would be super exciting. Eric and Jones got his first career win at Daytona. I was going to say, there are actually quite a few drivers that their first win has come at Daytona or Talladega. So it's not unheard of. Okay, so my pick is going to be this year's Talladega winner, my man, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney. That's actually a strong pick. Darn it. Maybe I should have picked Ryan Blaney. Oh, well, mom's got him, Ryan Blaney, to win the Coke Zero 400. You know, he's been the underdog of the season, I would say. He's uh, had some good finishes, almost won a race, got me some points before. And I think he's going to get a win. If this is going to be like a typical Daytona race, either way, I think he's got a shot. Tyler Reddick. When you were describing it, I thought, okay, he has an opportunity to choose Joey Logano. That's your guy. But the way you're describing it, I'm like, no, I think he's going with Tyler. That would be very exciting for him to do. I thought you were going to say Brandon gone. I was honestly going to go with Kevin Harvick. But I'm like, if this is going to be a typical Daytona race, he's him and Denny Hamlin are probably going to be out like for... Like first stage, maybe they might survive the second. Yeah, yeah. I these mean, are interesting picks because nobody picked Denny Hamlin. Yeah, who is the Daytona 500 reigning champion back to back, and nobody picked Kevin Harvick. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it, you know, without us maybe thinking it all the way through, subconsciously maybe we realized it. They're both locked in. Kevin Harvick is the regular season champ. Denny Hamlin is second. actually it's Denny Hamlin. No, it was Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. They said um, Kevin Harvick is a regular season champ. Oh, he is? Yeah. Kevin Harvick's a regular season champ. Denny Hamlin's in second. They're going to try. Don't get me wrong. They're going to compete to win, but they're not going to be playing it safe. And so when you're a little bit willing to take risks, (laughs) you you may end up in in some wrecks uh, a little bit more frequently. But anyway, yeah, it'll be really interesting to watch it. I know what they're going to do. They're going to be battling for the win. Like, I'm going to beat you, Hamlin. No, I'm going to beat you, Harvick. And they're going to call. And they're both going to take each other out and let somebody else win. Maybe a first-time winner. I thought Joe Gio was going to pick Brandon Gone. (laughs) Brandon Gone. That is a long shot. But, I mean, he was picking a long shot, but not that long of a long shot. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. 
Sebastian, who am I connecting to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? Well, I am going to pick singer Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John. He's knighted? Yeah, he is. He's actually the first British knight that we've had on our six degrees. He is one of the most successful male solo artists of all time. He's won several Grammy Awards, Academy Awards, Golden Globes, and Tony Awards. So you think, well, how am I going to connect them? Well, his 1972 hit is the nickname for Ryan Newman, which is... No Neck Rocket Man. Rocket Man. But that is not how I'm going to connect him to NASCAR. You see, he was knighted in 1998 by Queen Elizabeth II because of not only his services to music, but because of his charitable services. And it's because of this, the fact that he's generous and he's a successful philanthropist is how I'm going to connect him to NASCAR. Well, in 2007, there was a young man named Jeff Hansen that met Sir Elton John as part of Jeff's Make-A-Wish. But when they met, Jeff surprised Elton John with a gift of $1,000 for Elton John's AIDS Foundation, which began their friendship. The reason why Jeff was had a Make-A-Wish was because since childhood, he had neuro fibromytosis and he also had a brain tumor and when he was undergoing chemotherapy when he was 12 he decided he was going to raise money and he started painting and because of that he started selling paintings and he started making money and he started for charity and by his 20th birthday he raised a million dollars for charity so here's a kid I had to undergo chemotherapy because of a brain tumor. And yet he decides, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to raise money for those that might need it more than I do. And that's why when he met Elton John, he gave him $1,000. Now, how does he connect to NASCAR? Well, he's a NASCAR fan, and NASCAR actually recognized Jeff Hansen in 2015 with the Betty Jane France Humanitarian Award. And it was commissioned to create art for drivers like Dale Jr. And he's been at uh, different events for NASCAR. So it's because of philanthropy. That is what connects Elton John to NASCAR. Because Elton John is not only a great artist, but he's a great philanthropist. He gives away his wealth and raises money for these causes. And it was that connection with this kid, Jeff Hansen, who himself is very inspirational, that connects him to NASCAR. Good job, three degrees. It's pretty cool. He actually, I will tell, and we're going to add a link and and maybe post about it. His website is jeffhansenart.com. It's got his story. It shows his art. I'm actually going to buy a couple of postcards and a notepad uh, inspired by his art. And he even, I think it said on his website, he's an accidental artist. He became an artist because of this desire to give back and to help others. Yeah. And through this, he he met um, some NASCAR drivers. We actually saw some pictures of him with uh, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano and his wife. And he was honored in the, in the, in 2015, like I said. And so like, all, like in front of all the NASCAR, like during their award ceremony. So it is actually pretty cool. 
And, uh, you know, they obviously through the drivers and through the NASCAR foundation give, uh, raise money for charities all the time. So I think it was a, this is a very unique way to connect someone like Elton John, who I was pretty sure he'd never been a grand marshal. I was like, how am I going to do this? Is it going to be through another movie or through some other indirect, but it's actually pretty close because of their willingness to give to others. So I think that's a pretty cool thing and it's a pretty cool lesson too. Which is great because all those like Elton John, um, Jeff, Hansen, and NASCAR are big on philanthropy and causes and giving money and uh, raising money and awareness for causes. Yeah. So there you go. So check out jeffhansenart.com. Maybe buy a a postcard or some art and uh, help raise money. His goal what, so he raised a million dollars by his 20th birthday, and I believe by his 30th birthday, his goal is to raise, I think it's $10 million, and he's already at $5 million. Speaking of donating money, I'm thinking when I win the All-Star Race for the second time, I'm going to donate it to people who um, need money. When you're a NASCAR driver, you mean? Yeah, and, you and win I win it for the dollars. second time. Oh, so I'll the first him. one you're going to keep, but it's your second All-Star win. That's what you're going to give that's away. That's the one he's donating to. Who uh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's to pretty homeless cool. people. So for this week's segment of Racing Through Life, we actually have a chance to interview a friend of mine, a colleague, and a fellow motorsport fan. And her name is Sarah Benedict. And so, Sarah, I just wanted to thank you for joining us on our podcast this week. Of course. Happy to be here. So even though we are a NASCAR family, we do watch the Indianapolis 500. And normally it's held in May, Memorial Day weekend. This was a historic race because for the first time in its 104-year history, the Indianapolis was run without fans in attendance and Again, it was run in August. Like I said, it was in May. It is run in May. This year, the winner was Tacoma Sato. He won the sec. This is his second Indianapolis 500. And the race actually ended uh, on a caution. Uh, there was a wreck towards uh, the end of the race near the entrance of Pit Row. And it was actually a pretty like nasty wreck. Um, a car hit the wall and then hit the inside barrier of like going to the entrance of pit row which is actually a bunch of tires that are stacked on top of each other and wrapped with like a banner and he hit that so hard that you saw the tires fly up and come out out of that and um it was a pretty hard hit he was was he was shaken after when he was getting out of the car he was limping so yeah i think that was one of like because it was it was in the towards the end it was you know a story to remember And so the reason why we wanted to have Sarah on the podcast this week is that for the Let's Go Racing family, NASCAR is really our family sport. It's our tradition. And for Sarah, as getting to know her as a friend and colleague, I I learned that the Indy 500 is a family tradition of hers. And so we wanted to talk to Sarah about it and what makes the Indianapolis 500 so special to her. The Indy 500 has such a special place in my heart. My dad was a news photographer um, er, very early in his career. And as a small news station in Southern California, they actually sent him out to the Indy 500. So he developed this love of IndyCar, of racing, and it reminds him of this very special time in his life. Um, And 
when I was going back through our pictures and back through our memories, I thought that we'd only been going for like the last five years. It's been almost 10 years that we've gone as a family to the Indy 500. And this year was definitely sad because we weren't able to be there together um, in spirit. But it was also really fun to text each other on the side and still have that fun family experience, even with no fans. Well, uh, where would you actually rank motorsports like against other sports? I think that motorsports um, don't necessarily get a bad rap, but get a different rap than regular um, sports like NFL or hockey. Um, but for me, it's right up there with NFL. Um, the thrill of being in a stadium with the cars wishing past you, there is truly no other like adrenaline thrill than being right next to those cars. Miss Sarah, what would you say is the most memorable Indy 500 to you and why? Oh, man. There are a lot of good ones. I think that the 2012 race with when Dario Franchitti won um, was pretty intense. I think it was intense for a couple of reasons. Um, Don, or Dan Weldon um, had died or passed away earlier that year. I think it was in the fall. And... So the, there was a big um, commemoration for him of during that race. Um, so it definitely took a more stoic turn. But then the actual race got going. And in the final, like, I think it was like the final four laps, there was a big crash on uh, the second turn. And the seats that we have were like right at that, um, at the crash site. So it was definitely the most intense uh one that I've been to. So, oh, who's your favorite driver? I love Will Power. Um, I think I started loving him just because of his name, like way back when, when he uh, first came on the Indy 500, um, uh, like, pool. But I still continue to love him. He's always one of my favorites in races. He's super fun to watch. I was really bummed that he would be far down um, in the actual roster this year. Um, and she, I think he came in like 13 or 14, which wasn't so great. I had higher hopes for him, um, but I do love Takuma Sato. He, he's also one of my favorites. So I wasn't too sad, even though they did end on the yellow, which was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, I love Takuma. I love willpower. Um, yeah. Well, my favorite driver is actually Alexander Rossi. Oh, I love him too. So you I were, love you were, him too. You were kind of disappointed yesterday, weren't you? I know my mom also really loved him, so she was texting me all day about him too. <laughs> so was it was it tough, Sarah, to watch the Indy 500? Uh, it seems kind of obvious, but to watch it on TV, and especially because you've been there and you you smelled the smells and you've felt those cars driving by. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to watch it on TV. I You just don't get that same experience. And I think losing that family tradition, um, of course, we'll be back next year. Um, but missing my family and missing the sport, I think those two things combined made it especially somber. But at the same time, I'm happy we were able to um, still have it this year and it wasn't delayed an entire an entire year. Um, yeah, I... I I definitely think that it was a weird moment when Takuma was coming out of his car and it's 
you're supposed to have this huge fanfare and usually like you don't even realize how loud that stadium is with hundreds of thousands of people and it just kind of fell flat at the end um but i hope that he feels all of the celebration um from afar and uh, i actually uh, wanted to ask you this. Uh, being an Indy fan and going to the Indianapolis 500, what is it like to go to that race? It's an, a whole day event. So uh, my family and I will usually fly in from different parts of the country um, all together the day before, have dinner in downtown Indianapolis. And at that time, like there's so much fanfare everywhere. And you know, people have traveled from all over. Um, and then the actual day, we always wake up early go grab breakfast. And we usually try to stay at somewhere that's um, within walking distance of the actual track. So then we'll get up really early and like walk all the way there. And one of my favorite things is seeing all of the people out on people's lawns, doing tailgates, like truly the whole um, area around Motor Speedway just turns into a big party. So I love, love, love that feeling. Um, and like the the seat that we usually stay in it's so fun because it's like bleachers and you get to like walk all the way up to the top and everybody's just um i don't know it it feels like family when you're there i have a question do they have merchandise haulers because if i ever go to the indy 500 i think i may get some indy die cast heck yeah they do they have um, an indie museum that's actually um, on the motor speedway premises. That's always our favorite to go to, um, especially because it's usually super, super hot on Memorial Day weekend, and that's the only place with AC. Um, so it gets a little <laughs> bit crowded, but they have great um, merch and um, and like the old cars and great stories. You know, it's interesting. I we started watching the boys and I started watching indie more when we moved here to Florida. But we we used to live only an hour and a half away, and we actually took a tour of the state of the track. Well, the older boys probably may or may not remember, but we went into that museum and we thought it was so cool with all the different cars, open wheel, all the way to stock car. So it's a really cool um, museum. We took a, a tour of the track, and it's just a really cool race track to go to. So I want to go to a an Indy 500 one day. I think it would be a really cool experience, especially when Alexander Rossi would win. Johan, we owe you a trip to that track because you're the only one in the family that hasn't been there. So we'll have to make sure we uh, do that soon. So, well, Sarah, we really appreciate you taking us down memory lane with your family and, uh, you know, the mutual respect that we have for motorsports in general and how important it is to our family. So thank you so much on behalf of Let's Go Racing family. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. You're so welcome. Let's go racing. Gio, why don't you take us out? Well, guys, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Please leave a like, subscribe, and make sure to download our podcast episodes. You can listen to them wherever you want, whenever you want. Let's Go Racing Family, out.